Ghost Stories is proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Welcome back to the Business Report. Time now for our Ghost Stories feature with the finance ghost who uh, seems to have information no one else has. As Ghost Stories go, welcome Ghost. Uh, you seem to think that Woolworths is uh, actually, despite some decent numbers, quite a scary story. Absolutely. Hi, Gary. And yeah, that's quite right. So Woolworths Food has been under a lot of pressure from checkers. It's been quite a big disruptor of their business, actually. Uh, ShopRite recently released some numbers that suggest they've won market share every month for like the last four and a half years. It's a bit ridiculous, actually. That's obviously across the entire ShopRite group. And uh, what we've seen from players like Truewoods and the Fashini group coming into these Woolworths numbers is that although volumes are under pressure in things like clothing retail, they are still managing to achieve half-decent growth. So I was expecting the Woolworths numbers to not be great, but they've come in quite a lot lower than I was expecting. And I was still quite bearish. Some people in the market were not. So they got a bit of a shock uh, this morning. And this Woolworths trading update basically shows that in Woolworths food, volumes are down. So that's not surprising given the level of disruption there. Turnover up 8.4%, but inflation was 9.4%. So that tells you volumes are lower. Interestingly enough, online sales up 46.2%. They are now 5% of South African sales. There's a lot of competition in that space. But the real negative surprise, I think, was fashion beauty home. And they even went so far as to blame the South African ports for the late arrival of their summer ranges. And this kind of stuff irritates the market because at the end of the day, everyone knows the state of South African infrastructure. If it surprises you that the ports don't work well, then you just haven't been paying attention bluntly. So, you know, you look at a company like the Fashini Group who has localized its supply chain and you see that benefit coming through. It's not a great excuse when your turnover is only up 1.4%. This is Woolworths now in their fashion beauty home business. And price movement was 11.7%. So that's a big drop in volumes. And the scary thing here for me is that in the past couple of years, the Woolworths recovery has been very much driven by fashion beauty home. The food business has actually been going pretty much sideways in light of the competition coming through from checkers. So if fashion beauty home falters, then so too will the share price and Trading this morning, uh, you know, in the aftermath of the update, down about 4%, I think, when last I looked. So not a great update from Woolworths, and my bearishness there was not wrong. And, of course, perhaps further evidence that uh, even in the affluent parts of the South African economy, there's um, some belt tightening starting to happen. Absolutely. It's our attention now to uh, an industry where the the numbers are often eye-watering, and that's Glencore. Glencore's uh, agreed to acquire a 77% effective interest in a steel-making coal business called Tech. That is $7 billion US dollars in cash. That is, those are big numbers, but you think it's a steal. Yeah, so it's actually in a subsidiary of Tech Resources. So Tech Resources is actually a big, diversified Canadian mining group. And basically, Glencore has been talking to them for a long time, trying to get its hands on their steel-making coal business. Now, Tech is under huge ESG pressure. I mean, if you know anything about Canada, you'll know how much pressure they must be under to get rid of that asset. And they practically gave it away, with Glencore as the happy recipient of a 77% stake in that asset. And there are a couple of other parties coming into it who will then help Tech achieve a full exit, basically. I really like this deal for Glencore. You know, if you just take off the ESG blinkers, and I'm sorry for being blunt about this, but even working towards a low carbon future means we still need coal along the way. This is a reality, no matter how much people wish it was different. So this is the Anglo-Tungela story all over again, where one person's ESG is another person's outsized return. And over 24 months, Glencore is going to work towards splitting its group into effectively a dirty, and in inverted commas, fossil fuel business, 
and then a clean future metals business, and then investors will be able to choose. Those with an ESG-focused mandate can go for the future metals, and those who just want to make money can go after the fossil fuels, which will probably trade at a ridiculously high yield, like we saw with Tungela, you know, which gave insane returns for a period of time. So keep an eye on Glencore for opportunities going forward, but at least they've finally gotten a deal right with tech, and it's taken them a while to do it. They were flirting for quite some time. Now, uh, trading out in the, uh, we spoke about Woolworths, their, their Australian adventure hasn't been a pretty one. Glencore obviously does an enormous amount of business uh, in the rest of the world. But another company that does as well, food services giant Bidcor, uh, and they earn a lot of their uh, revenue in in other currencies that have appreciated against the RAND. Um, and they're looking pretty good. They've put out a trading result that shows some decent numbers. Yeah, so Bidcorp is a great RAND hedge. They make literally just a few percent of their business is actually in South Africa. The rest of it is global. So it gives you that RAND hedge, which obviously works well when the RAND is weakening, right? It doesn't work so well when the RAND is getting stronger. Then you don't necessarily want to be in a RAND hedge. But what Bidcorp does really nicely is not only is it a RAND hedge, but it's growing and it's growing quickly. And they just keep on growing. You know, basically this is a food services business. So they supply restaurants and hospitality groups like hotels and that kind of thing. So they get a lot of organic growth just from food inflation and obviously ongoing market penetration by competing in these markets. Plus they get inorganic growth from bolt-on acquisitions. Now, what that basically means is just buying up small regional players and then merging them into this global machine. You know, if you can imagine Pac-Man chasing down all the little dots Bidcorp is basically the the yellow Pac-Man. Uh, I won't do a Pac-Man sound effect, although I was tempted for a moment there. I'm not going to back myself for that. But to give you an idea of how many bolt-on acquisitions they do, it's quite surprising to see that there was only one in the four months to October. So people are a bit surprised. You know, there was only one. So this thing is an acquisition machine. And what's difficult at the moment in this inflationary environment is actually just to maintain their margins. They are struggling a little bit with that. In some regions, they haven't been able to do it, like in the UK. But at a group level, because this is such a diversified beast, they've managed to achieve revenue growth of 12.8% in these four months year on year. And EBITDA operating profit margin, that's steady at 5.8% of revenue. We don't know the growth in headline earnings yet, but it's at least 8% because the announcement talks about achieving real growth in headline earnings and inflation was 8%. Hence, it has to be more than 8%. But just watch out for the RAND effect here because if the RAND strengthens and based on the data we saw out of the US this week, where inflation was below expectations, which is good news for the RAND, then the Bidcorp share price would come under pressure as a result. So you can see a lot of volatility in this thing because it's the double whammy of the underlying business and, of course, the RAND. Right. So let's now go to a company that uh, that does most of its business inside the country, and that is uh, Suntum. Suntum, a giant in uh, in the short-term insurance game in South Africa, but they've had to make some tough decisions and they've put out a nine-month trading statement that has some good news, but um, indicative of that, the fact that the belt tightening isn't just limited to households, companies are also having to make some tough calls. Yeah, so what's happening at the moment in South Africa is short-term insurance is just a really hard place to play, right? There are a lot of risks. I mean, if you spend any amount of time in South Africa, you're dodging potholes, you're dodging crazy hailstorms, as we saw in Gauteng in the past week. There's the floods, there's riots, there's fires, and then there's just the normal stuff like having an accident or, you know, something being stolen from you, which is sadly normal as well in South Africa. So people need short-term insurance and, you know, that's good news for insurers. But the problem is the insurance company needs to correctly price the amount of risk in the South African market while remaining competitive. So a lot of very clever actuaries, this is what they do for a living, 
and it's extremely difficult. So if you look at the Suntime announcement, premium growth, that was solid, and you'd expect that, right? People need insurance, and they can push through inflationary uh, increases. But the underwriting margin, that's where they actually make the money. That's where they take into account what the expected losses are, and they make sure they still make a profit after that. And with so many major loss events, that hasn't done well. Net underwriting margin is below their target range of 5% to 10%. So that's not a good situation. At least a mitigating factor is that the final component to returns at an insurance house would be the return on the float. So that's basically their reserves that they go and invest. So when markets are doing well in general, it helps insurance companies. But the reverse is also true. If markets are not doing well, it hurts insurance companies. But the overall theme here is they are repricing their risk which means insurance premiums are only going up from here. And of course, all that does is put more and more pressure on specifically affluent consumers who have assets that need to be insured. So this brings us straight back to what we talked about right at the start, which is Woolworths, and just recognizing that South African middle-class and upper-middle-class consumers, the affluent consumers, they are getting smashed from all sides. They are in a hailstorm all the time, and unfortunately, something's got to give. Uh, just uh, in, in your report, you also mentioned a partnership with MTN with uh, nearly 100,000 new policies sold to date. Um, do you know what that partnership is? Yeah, so just high level, it's a classic example of you know a telecoms company looking for additional ways to make money, but recognizing that maybe they aren't experts in the insurance space. And then an expert in that space looking for distribution. You know, So what do you do? You go and partner with a company that has a whole lot of clients who have an asset in their hands, a cell phone, that would need uh, some type of insurance. So uh, there's still a regulatory approval process underway to actually transfer what they call the in-force book, which is obviously MTN's existing insurance book that sometimes buying. And then they've got a partnership to actually go and distribute insurance going forward. So I think it's quite a clever deal. Um, probably not a bad deal for either party here. It's just a good example of specializing in a telco trying to generate revenue from something other than minutes and data and everything else. So yeah, just two South African companies coming together. Maybe it's because they're both yellow. So they just found it easier to do the branding. <laughs> Guys, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks for the updates. If you're interested in the, this sort of content, then get along to ghostmail.co.za. Subscribe to the daily newsletter. And there's a whole host of other products as well with uh, the Finance Ghost, bringing you up to date on what's going on uh, in the world of Southern African finance. Ghost Stories was proudly presented by IJG. IJG, making your money work for you. Visit IJG.net for more information.